Welcome to the CodeCast Podcast. Real-world insights for your daily medical coding and billing processes. And now, here's your host, Terry Fletcher. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the 240th episode of the CodeCast Podcast. My name is Terry Fletcher. So this week, I'm going to be talking about coding, which I laugh a little bit when I say that, because yes, we know this is the CodeCast podcast, but you also know that I do venture out in all things healthcare. So we're basically on that hamster wheel weekly, <laughs> trying to figure out when we're going to get off and turn you know, right into coding or left into Medicare regulation, or even go backwards as we did a couple weeks ago on locums tenens and just some things that are out there that you need to have information for. But this week, a new topic that's been on my mind is reporting add-on codes. CPT is what I'm talking about. And these codes can be very tricky if you don't take your time to read the directions that is a part of the CPT guidelines, understand there's more than one type of add-on code, and also know that these are part of the CCI edits. And so if you are wanting to understand how to be successful at applying your add-on codes, you really need to understand the definition of them, how to identify them, and then where to find some updates as well. So let's kind of talk about that a little bit. So an add-on code, and they also refer to it as an AOC, is a procedure code that describes a significant supplemental service commonly performed in addition to a primary procedure. So add-on codes are rarely eligible for payment unless they're reported with a valid primary procedure code on the same date of service. And that's why sometimes it's tough. I know in some of the services that I bill for code for in, let's say, peripheral vascular uh, in the carotid section, for example, sometimes the physicians are doing an external carotid uh, angiography and that's all they did. But unfortunately, that's an add-on code to a common or cervical carotid or internal carotid. So how do you code for that? Those are very tough. Rarely, Medicare contractors will allow payment for the primary and add-on codes on consecutive dates of service if documentation shows the services are appropriately related as well. Um, Payment is usually only considered on appeal or denial when they look at that. When Medicare denies payment for add-on codes, the practitioner, the provider cannot collect a payment for that service from the beneficiary. So just so you know, those are things that have to be collected through insurance. Now that we're saying if they deny saying that you had the wrong code or the wrong reason for why you're reporting it. They also are, there's also three types of add-on codes, as I mentioned, under the National Correct Coding Initiative Program. And so here's what we're looking at when we really look to report for add-on codes. First, you need to know the types of add-on codes. And this is this can be tricky if you're not really used to thinking about add-on codes as having rules or regulations or being divided into groups, as you say. So CMS classification of add-on codes. We have type 1, 2, and 3. Type 1 is the CPT manual, HICS-PICS level 2 manual, or CMS policy defines all acceptable primary codes. Type 2, CPT manual, HICS-PICS level 2 manual, or CMS policy does not define specific primary codes. Now this is where Medicare incur- or CMS encourages Medicare contractors, I should say, to develop their own list of primary codes for claims processing purposes. So there, and the thing that's really stupid about this one is Medicare contractors are not required to publish the contractor determined list of primary codes. It's basically they get to take it under advisement. And then type 3, 
Again, same thing where it's the CPT manual, HCPCS level two manual or CMS policy defines some, not all of the acceptable primary codes. But here's what you're gonna find with type three. You're gonna typically see them listed in the CPT manual underneath the primary code. They're gonna say, use this code with this code or use also or something to that effect. So um, just know that when you see those kinds of things, you're actually looking at um, list in addition to that's that's the type three some people think that's type one and it's really not that's more of a, a policy on all primary codes but most of them are type three meaning that here's the list it's in cpt book and we typically know because they list them there what you can use and if you don't have them listed then you may be able to get the contractor to um, allow for it on a particular circumstance, but that's tough. Type one is when this is it. This is the bottom line. This is what you can use it for and don't try to go outside um, that those guidelines, if you will. So let's take a look at some of the add-on codes that I run up against quite a bit and see if this kind of rings any bells with anybody. One of the things that comes up quite a bit is the add-on code 76937, and that is ultrasound guidance. Now this is bundled or inclusive of most services, especially in the cardiology specialty. Um, we, if we're providing services in the hospital setting, we also have to add on a 26 modifier because it's radiology code. But this is only allowed if it's diagnostic purposes, not for um, guiding or accessing the patient's um, during a catheter placement. So if you're basically saying under ultrasound guidance to access a site of where you're going to enter the patient um, from access, then that's not where it can be not billed for that. So you have to really know your rules as well on what you can and can't do. Now here's when we get into, let's say, peripheral vascular. And this is just a little nuanced something that I know that some coders who are doing peripherals, or I should say non-coronary in the cardiology side, they don't always, um, or I should say, because you're my coders, <laughs> you don't always read the rules on this or read the definition of the codes. And that can be problematic if you're trying to figure out, can I bill for this or not? So here's an example. So a lower extremity stent placement is 37221. That's the base code or the primary code, if you will. And it basically says revascularization, endovascular, open or percutaneous, iliac artery, unilateral, initial vessel, and includes angioplasty. And this is with transluminal stent placement. Okay, and everything includes an angioplasty when performed. So again, it says unilateral. That means the same side. Sometimes they'll call it ipsilateral, but unilateral. And so they're saying, you know, right or left side. But it says that this is the initial vessel. And then when you look at the add-on code, let's say that you did a stent placement um, in another uh, area, in 37223, that includes angioplasty within the same vessel when performed. So what that means within the same vessel, so the first one was initial vessel, within the same vessel. So what we're looking at here is if we're basically performing an additional stent placement in an additional territory of that vessel. So even though it says an additional, well, as I read it, uh, it includes angioplasty within the same vessel when performed. Uh, so what they're talking about is if it is in the same territory. So sometimes I'm noticing that coders take the, the CPT codes, not just add-on codes, but they take them verbatim without looking at the rules first or the explanation behind that specialty. 
So the iliac territory is divided into three vessels, common iliac, external iliac, and external uh, internal iliac. So if you did, let's say, the common iliac stent placement, 37221, and then external iliac stent placement, 37223, add-on code. And it even says, you know, underneath the 37221, it says what you can use it in conjunction for. Same with 37223. It says using conjunction with 37221. So it's very specific on what you can use it with. And it also says when you cannot use it. So you have to be very careful of when you use it because it says when you can and when you can't. And always look at parenthetical instruction. So the reason I bring up that one is let's say we're still on the non-coronary side of cardiology. I know that makes no sense to some of you, but with cardiology, we don't just stop at the heart. We actually go into arteries and veins and different areas of the body. Call it, we call it actually cardiovascular and peripheral, meaning that it, it all kind of affects areas when it comes to blood flow, et cetera. And so let's look at, let's say we were doing a renal, okay, renal is kidneys, so renal stenting, that would be 37236. But let's say we did the right renal, and then let's say we also did the left renal for a stent. Well, you're not going to put a 50 modifier on this because the add-on code to 37236 for the initial stent uh, is each additional artery. So where the other code was talking about the same side, each additional vessel, this now is each additional artery. So we're not in a territory, we're actually just adding it on. So you're only going to get an add-on code 37237 in this case. A little bit of a different concept there, but we have to know the rules when we look at that. Now here's one, and this would be probably under what we call that, um, that type one or type three add-on code. And this is under uh, endovascular repairs for aneurysms. There is a code that is 37413. And this is where you really have to know your coding rules. So this code basically represents a, a closure and opening. So if you're accessing and closing a femoral artery for the delivery of an endograft, and it's for an endovascular repair for pseudoaneurysm. And the sheath, so where you access, is 12 French or larger, then you get to code the add-on code 34713. And you'll see in the report we'll, where it will say upsized. Now the problem with this code is that there's a lot of percontaneous, which usually means we access uh, minimally and in, in, minimal invasively, either in the groin or in the radial or whatever. So when we're in the groin or in the femoral artery, a lot of times we'll use a six or an eight um, French catheter to access the patient. And even if they upsize, you cannot use this code because in the parenthetical discussion and direction underneath this code, it says first, 34713 using conjunction with, and it's pretty quick, they're pretty clear that you cannot use it for the lower extremity uh, inter interventions. And then it also says can be reported only once per side for bilateral, report this twice. Remember, add-on codes do not have bilateral modifiers. They also don't have the 51 modifier. They're exempt from that. It even says here, do not report the 50 modifier in conjunction with 34713. So when you look at some of these services, really read the direction around add-on codes, because not only does it tell you the primary codes that it has to be billed with, 
but it also will tell you parenthetically, typically, unless it's a level two code or type two, that you can't, it doesn't define specific codes. So it may be allowed, but it also will tell you if you shouldn't be using another code. And so it's really important on add-on codes to not just optimize your reimbursement to make sure you even get paid, to know the rules for your specialty. So I'm gonna switch gears to, let's say, dermatology. So let's go to the integumentary system. And let's say that we were doing, oh, let me just pick some codes here that we that are pretty often. Let's say that we were doing something that was a benign lesion or a precancerous lesion. And so we were looking at a destruction, maybe a cryo laser surgery. That code is 17,000, okay? So 17000, that's the primary code. Now in the description, it says first lesion. Okay, so we know that if it's just one, that's the only thing we're gonna have. But what if it's second through 14 lesions? Okay, what if you have more than one? Well, they updated this code in um, 2008. And it was interesting when they did that because actually 2009, because they added one word and it said each. So the add-on code 17003 says second through 14 lesions each list separately in addition to the code for the first lesion. So you get to itemize because it tells you to itemize. And a lot of times people miss that. I can't tell you how many times I've seen these codes and somebody says, oh, well, you can only code it twice for five lesions. Seven, one, seven, zero, 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 one, seven, zero, zero, three. I go, you missed a word. And it even says there code in conjunction for this and, you know, in conjunction with 17,000. And it says list separately in addition to the code for the first lesion. But let's say that your physician was doing cryo or some kind of laser surgery on plantar warts. So when the integumentary system can be very, um, not just specific, but um, very, what's the word, descriptive. They let you know exactly what you're looking at and what you're treating. So let's say we're at plantar warts. Well, that changes the code. Now we're at 17110 and that's destruction and it says up to 14 lesions. So remember the other one when we were dealing with pre-malignant lesion was first lesion. This one for plantar warts, for example, this says up to 14. And these can also, and this is other than skin tags. So you would have one code, but then what if you went 15 or more lesions? Did that also initiate an add-on code? No, actually it's just an indented code, which means if you had 15 or more, you'd go to code 17111 and not an add-on code. And I think sometimes people look at that and think, and it's like their eyes plays tricks on them because they saw the add-on code with 17000 to 17003, and they just make the assumption that the 17110 has an add-on code 17111, but it isn't. It's actually one code has 14 lesions and the other one is 15 or more. And so you have to make sure you're also reading your codes, otherwise you can make a big mistake. Now, one of the codes, and I think this might surprise you, that comes up quite a bit when it comes to type two, and this is where CMS does not specifically have primary codes, meaning that there's a time, and it's very rare, that you could actually code this one add-on code by itself. What is that code? Well, that is 99292. So that'd be an additional um, 30 to 74 minutes for critical care time. I've tried it twice, and it's usually with uh, members of the same group practice. It's on a different date, but it's under the same uh, admission or stay for a patient. And both times it was paid. So 
There are exceptions to the rules, but they're rare. That's basically the only one I know that they're allowing on type two. So you really have to, to know where those rules lie. And when you're looking at add-on codes, a couple of things I just want to remind you of. Make sure that you read the parenthetical items right underneath. Make, and it'll tell you what codes you can usually bill with what codes. If it doesn't, then you may have an argument for other codes, but you may have to appeal it if you get a denial. You also want to look at the parenthetical next step, which tells you then what you may not code under, or it'll tell you for this procedure, use a different code. And then you always want to read the pre-procedure notes that are associated with the specialty that you're looking at, especially if you're looking at spine surgery, if you are looking at certain add-on codes for general surgery, small bowel um, resections, things like that. There's a lot of situations where you have to know the rules before you know if you can add on. I know one code in radiology, 75774, that code gets added on to a lot of radiology or angiography procedures incorrectly because additional views are taken from a primary injection, let's say. But unless you're performing a separate selective injection, that code should not be used. And so we have to, again, read the definition, read the notes associating around add-on codes. Otherwise, you possibly could be overcoding and you don't want to do that. Okay, so my separate coding question today actually is kind of a, an interesting coding question. I thought somebody was asking me this question today and I thought, okay, well, this is a good, good time to, to add it in there. This comes from one of my clients in Chicago, so thank you for that question. And they were asking about advanced care planning. And can you bill for advanced care planning under Incident 2 guidelines with your ancillary staff? And how I'm interpreting the guidelines is no. You can bill at Incident 2 if you have a nurse practitioner, PA, or clinical nurse specialist providing the service. You can, uh, or it can be billed under your, and the physician actually has to be in clinics. So you have to meet the incident two guidelines. But ACP is considered a physician service. You're talking about legal situation, end of life situation, and there's also forms you may be filling out. And so this is not a, you know, an ancillary staff or, um, you know, a medical assistant or RN or anything like that. That is coming from a physician, MD or DO or it's coming from a mid-level provider, anybody that can bill independently um, to the payer. And, but can it be billed incident to? Yes, but not from an ancillary staff, meaning that there is a face-to-face -face component, but it means you have a physician in clinic and one of your mid-levels has decided to talk to the patient about that. There are rules um, around ACP, so make sure you are reading the rules. I'm finding that a lot of practices are starting to you know bulk up this discussion again to get paid that 80 bucks but really try to be careful and not just bill for things because you can bill for things because they are medically indicated so you've got a patient that the outlook looks grim over the next 24 months and they need to have this discussion of you know end of life conversations then of course that would be something that would be appropriate but if it is a 25-year-old patient who's there for their well check, that's not an appropriate conversation. I don't care what anybody tells you. I was actually having this argument with um, a, a nurse practitioner recently. She says, we talk about it with every patient that comes in the office. And I'm like, okay, well, that's a little doctor death if you ask me. Why would you want to talk to a patient who's 
perfectly healthy coming in for their annual physical and saying, oh, by the way, let's have a chat about your end of life situation. That doesn't even make sense to me. So it seems like I've been saying this a lot lately. Just because you can doesn't necessarily mean that you should. Our coding question is brought to you today by Burt's Bees Ultra Conditioning Moisturizing Lip Balm. Burt's Bees, the moisturizing lip balm rich in butters and oils that hydrate and condition dry lips. 100% natural origin. We thank them for that sponsorship. So I want to end with a personal tidbit this week. Just kind of some <laughs> funny stuff that's going on. So I'm having a pool put into my backyard and they've had to do some drilling and it has been, I'm hearing drilling in my sleep. Luckily, it was only four days. But here's the kicker. Did you know that if you go to put a pool in, which is not cheap, by the way, we kind of waited a while to before we did this to see how much Summer's wedding was going to cost. But if there is anything that they have to do besides um, shovel out the dirt or the sod underneath, so if they have to bring in a bobcat with a jackhammer, that's extra and they don't tell you that. So they get halfway down. We find that we don't just have rock and concrete. We've got um, granite that's about three feet deep, three feet down, and we need to go four and a half feet deep. Um, and so guess what? Yeah, another $10,000 later, $11,000 later, extra, here we are. So yeah, that was really fun. I'm having a great time with that. But anyway, <laughs> before you put in a pool, if you get an option, make sure that uh, you read the fine print because that was like, oh my goodness. And we thought that it was going to be expensive, but not quite that expensive. And now it's even more than we thought it was going to be. So just a word to the wise. <laughs> anyway, everyone have a great Memorial Day weekend. Make it a great rest of your day. And thank you for listening to the CodeCast podcast. For more information on medical coding, billing, auditing and compliance, including how to hire Terry, follow Terry on Twitter at TerryCoder1 or visit her website at www.terryfletcher.net. Podcast producer Joe Kuzma, music producer Assassin Music.